0: you are on the line live on fox sports central alabama on 98.3 fm in birmingham and silicauga and in auburn and opelika on espn 1067 listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com you are on the line with noah gardner and levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502.
1: You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater joining you on your Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Once again, the number to call, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Find Levi and I on Twitter, at Point Gardner, at Levi Fitzwater. Levi, Auburn's coaching staff is full yet again. This is the second time we can say this. The on-field coaching staff complete with the hiring of Nick Eason as the new defensive line coach at Auburn. Kind of shocking I've seen the timeline of this because there was never an official confirmation that Tracy Rocker left the program to go to the Eagles but this is as confirming as it gets because there's not going to be two defensive line coaches there can only be one there's only enough room for the one of us on the defensive line and Nick Eason brings with him a nice track record in the NFL
2: a longtime NFL player 10-year career as a player and then as a coach coach guys like Gino Atkins Carl Lawson said nothing but nice things about the guy, said he brings out a fire. So kind of a little bit of a light Auburn connection there. I think it was crazy just how fast this happened in terms of we didn't really get an official announcement of Tracy Rocker leaving the program. It was just kind of, yeah, he's reportedly going to the Eagles. And the next thing you know, Nick Eason is hired on as the defensive line coach
1: do some research for me because I haven't seen anything out there of even the Eagles announcing that they've hired Tracy Rocker and that should be on NFL.com if that has occurred so if you could do some quick research there because I don't even think that they announced that he accepted the position so but what we do know is that Nick Eason is now the defensive line coach at Auburn bringing with him a 10-year career out of the National Football League as a player and he's been coaching as well His previous stop with the Cincinnati Bengals in the same position as defensive line coach. He's been there for the past two seasons. He also has a stop with the Tennessee Titans where he was there from 2014 to 2017. His only experience as a coach is at the NFL level, and he'll now be taking that with him to the collegiate level. So automatically, the first concern that one might draw from this hire is what is he going to do on the recruiting front? He's a popular name in college football, or maybe not popular per se, but he had a good career in college football. Obviously, if he was a 10-year NFL veteran, he played his college football at Clemson. He was a star on the defensive line. He was the first football player in school history to graduate with two years of eligibility remaining. So he's a smart guy, got his degree in sociology back in 2001. When you look at his stat line from where he played at Clemson, he had 35 starts for the Tigers, recording 15 sacks and 30 tackles for loss. He was a two-time team captain his junior and senior seasons, earning first-team All-ACC honors when he was a senior defensive tackle in the NFL. You look at a stat line, played in 117 games over his career, had seven sacks, 132 total tackles and nine tackles for loss not as illustrious of a stat stuffer when it comes to playing defensive line in the NFL, but something that jumps off the page to me about his NFL career and something that very well also speaks volumes about his coaching career as well. He spent time with these teams. He didn't jump from team to team. Of course, he had three different teams in his time as an NFL player, but he always spent three or four years with each of those clubs, right? He had three years with Cleveland 4 years with the Pittsburgh Steelers and then 2 years with Arizona when he retired at the age of 32. So he obviously was liked inside those inside those departments. He ended up getting a, a coaching job right out of right out of retirement to going and being an assistant with the Cleveland Browns, and then from there ended up with the Tennessee Titans. So there's a lot to like about Nick Eason, the developer, Nick Eason, the coach, because he's done it at the next level. But once again, the concern that I think one might draw on the other side of the coin is, what does he look like as a recruiter? And there's virtually no track record there. But Zach Blackerby pointed this out to me in a text message last night, And he's been hot on it. And yesterday, we we were talking about Tracy Rocker on the show and and, in our conversation with Zach, our weekly conversation with Zach Blackerby of the Lockdown Auburn Podcast. Go and find that conversation wherever you get your podcast. In in, In our discussion with Zach, he brought up what role does Tracy Rocker fill. And last night, he texted me about how Tracy Rocker, it seems, filled the NFL role because Auburn went out and hired an NFL coach. And to replace him or with the NFL experience. So not only does Eason bring that to this team, I think Auburn could be pretty confident in him as a developer. Tracy Rocker's big knock was on his recruiting. With this guy, I think you could probably say the same thing with the hire. So maybe Auburn didn't value that as much when they were bringing in Rocker. They were valuing more of the development and the NFL experience. So it very well could not even be a big deal that Tracy Rocker and Nick Eason here weren't really big points in the recruiting category for Auburn on this coaching staff.
2: That's what it seemed that Harson was going for. He really didn't value recruiting out of this coaching position. Just seems that he really wanted a guy with NFL experience, a guy who's you know has more development skills for players. I I, I like that there is a formula. I like that he knew what he wanted. When Tracy Rocker departed from the program, which is not official on the Eagles website, but Wikipedia has already updated it, so people are people are ready to go without those sources.
1: Wikipedia is
2: pretty accurate for the most part. Most of the time. Most of the time it's pretty accurate. Can't use it all the time, but maybe I don't think the Eagles have updated simply for the fact that I don't think they have a picture of him formally to put on the website as they do all their other coaches and it's nice laid out format well get
1: the man in front of a canvas and let's do a little a little snapshot let's get him on the website right
2: go ahead and get it updated uh, yeah go ahead and get it updated so I think with the whole Tracy Rocker leaving thing and bring in Nick Eason it was a very similar it just seems very similar outside of the fact that instead of He's not a former player. That's the only thing. He's not a former player. But he Auburn is familiar
1: player. with the Southeast, though. He is a native of Lions, Georgia. That was where he was coming out of high school at, going into Clemson. So he is at least somewhat familiar with the Southeast. But he's been out of the Southeast for quite some time, since the early 2000s. And the game has changed a lot in college football in a recruiting standpoint since he was recruited. Once again, that's the major concern in the higher. I don't think the, the concern is with development whatsoever you look at his NFL track record he's developed some defensive lines which is where I want to steer this conversation and I think you can pick up a little bit of nugget from the Auburn press release that was sent out about the hire and you can go and find this on radioalabamasports.net obviously Nick Eason named Auburn's defensive line coach and you can pick up just a little bit of a nugget here that I think tells us a lot about Auburn's defense moving forward Here it is. In 2014, Eason's first as a full-time NFL coach, he helped oversee Tennessee's defensive transition from a 4-3 to a 3-4 front. They Hmm. decided it was important to point out that that was, and and maybe I'm reading too much into this, but when I saw that, I was like, interesting, that that is something that, that was regarded as a substantial note about this coach, that he's done this before. And it could be something that he will be asked to do now and also possibly something that Coach Harson valued highly going into this hire that he has helped a defensive line at the next level go through that transition. He'll be able to do that at Auburn because guess what type of defense Derek Mason brings with him to the Plains?
2: Oh, yeah, a 3-4. A 3-4 defense. I don't and, think you're reading too much into that at all. I think this I think they made that knowledge available. They highlighted that in the press release. Pretty much to show, hey, this we want this guy. He's got NFL experience. He also has transitioned a defense into this three four scheme before. I think that was a big point in what Coach Harson wanted out of him. He wanted a guy who knew this system, who also knew how to transition one defense from you know, one defense to this defense. So I think that is very important to look at and to think about in terms of why this guy was brought in, development, NFL experience and knows how to transition to that 3-4 defense. Something that Auburn needs significant help at right now, I think defensive tackle
1: is a major issue for Auburn. He had success with defensive tackle Jarrell Casey while with the Tennessee Titans. Some statistics here about his defensive lines when he was with the Titans. In 2017, Tennessee's defensive line ranked fourth at the NFL against the run, allowing an average of just 88.8 yards per game. That's solid. In 2016, Easton's first as defensive line coach, the Titans allowed just 88.3. So over two years, right there, two-year stretch in 16 and 17, his defensive line's only allowing 88 yards, 88, 89 yards against the run. Auburn needs some serious help there, and I think a lot of that stems from the interior defensive line. So of course you're getting you're getting a guy with a lot of experience. Coming where he has done this before at a place like the Tennessee Titans now his last two years with the Cincinnati Bengals it's it's a barren talent it, it's a barren talent pool at defensive line or really anywhere for the Cincinnati Bengals but I think a player that you can point to that maybe you've seen development under his tutelage and he's also the guy that spoke highly of him that's a former Auburn player we've seen Carl Lawson get better from year one to year two and I'll say this Part of that's resembled in the way the NFL views him. I don't like to use this as an example often. Madden ratings saw Carl Lawson get a huge jump. He's usable now in the video game. He's not 68 <laughs> overall, right? He's he's low 80s. It's like, the way, and Carl Lawson has developed tr- truly in real life as well. I'm just saying that you can take that and see that it's not just Auburn folks saying, oh yeah, Carl Lawson's getting better. It's not just the Bengals saying Carl Lawson's getting better. It's like people it's- outside the NFL are seeing his production what he's doing and he is a staple for the Cincinnati Bengals in the pass rush and honestly being on the field more than just being a pass rusher and that was a true criticism of Carl Lawson going to the next level would he become more than just a pass rusher so there's at least one player I think you can circle in on with the Cincinnati Bengals defensive line that Nick Eason has had a has had an impact on
2: had a stamp on him improve he improved over his career and you said it best Carl Lawson coming out of college They were really concerned that he would only be a pass rusher. And he's developed into a more all-around player and has helped that Bengals defensive line out. And just to go back, you have this guy who has also been developed under Coach Eason who is now sitting there thinking, like saying all these nice things about him and saying that he's going to bring in this power to Auburn. He brings in a a fire to the team. He also said he thinks he's going to like Auburn, which that is really important for fans. They want – they want people who come in here and not just like the program, not just win games. They want people to come in and just love this city, love the community, and want to be all about it, want to be Auburn. And it sounds like we have a guy that a former Auburn player thinks could be that.
1: Now it's different. This isn't this isn't Rodney Garner. This isn't Rodney Garner with the recruiting, the the recruiting powerhouse that he can build on, on a defensive line and being able to to just reload year in and year out, it's not the same type of hire. And of course, Rodney Garner also had the development track record. This isn't this isn't that level. This is not Auburn bringing in that. I don't know what to expect from the position group other than development. Recruiting will will remain to be seen about this guy, but it's his first time recruiting. He could end up being a great recruiter he could be somebody that could be a super likable human being I don't know I've never met the guy I'm sure he is he he got interviewed and they wanted to bring him in he could end up being a super likable human being super charismatic and that's going to translate onto the recruiting trail we've never seen him have to do that just because he hasn't done it before doesn't mean that he can't be great at it this is his first chance to go and try and sell a program like Auburn and he could end up being very successful at it so he could end up Making that, I, I think there's a, a high ceiling for this hire. I feel, I feel good about this hire in comparison to maybe some of the other position groups. I feel higher up on this one now than maybe where I was at on a couple of others. We might have to re-rank some, some position groups. We ranked the offensive coaching staff. Well, in the future, we're going to have to rank the entire coaching staff moving forward with our hires. Not on today's show, but we'll definitely do that. Uh, not tomorrow either. We'll probably get to that early next week on a little bit of a slower news day but today's not a slow news day we've got really great guests on the show today 2 30 we'll have Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer joining us and then later on in the second hour of course last week Auburn baseball schedule was released in its entirety we've got Aaron Fitt the co-editor and national writer for d1baseball.com joining us at three thirty to talk some Auburn baseball Auburn was ranked 23rd and their preseason rankings on d1baseball.com so you'll want to stay tuned for that and listen up for those conversations later on coming up in the show it's a packed show and we're just going to keep it rolling on the other side of this break we'll be ranking the top non-conference sec games for 2021
0: you are on the line with noah gardner and levi fitzwater we'll be right back
1: You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Keep up with all the content the show is putting out on RadioAlabamaSports.net and on the Radio Alabama Sports Facebook page. Follow it on Twitter as well at, at @RadioALSports. It's the place to be for Auburn and Alabama content as well as high school sports content. Once again, that's Radio Alabama Sports net that's where you can find more information about nick eason being named the defensive line coach at auburn we've got past shows there as well auburn alabama content high school content as well once again that is where you should go radio alabama i teased coming into this segment that we would be ranking the top non-conference sec games for 2021 but before we get to that I want to touch on one more thing that happened that broke today about an hour or two before our show went on the air. Auburn quarterback target Gunner Stockton committed to arch-rival Georgia today, and it seems like this one's a pretty final, finite decision there for Gunner Stockton, the five-star quarterback, the number one overall dual-threat quarterback according to 24-7 Sports Composite. We were so... I'm not going to say wrong because I think a lot of people were seeing this trending towards Auburn to Auburn's direction, considering Mike Bobo's transition from South Carolina to Auburn, and he was the one who recruited him to South Carolina. I think a lot of people saw that link. That link, but instead, he's going. Uh, he's he's staying in his home state and he's going to Georgia.
2: It's sad. It's sad. I, I may or may not. Have Good
1: for cr- him. I mean, I, I'm not ever going to tweet oh, out a recruit. Not. No, no, but no, no, no,
2: no. I mean, you make. You got to remember these are high school kids coming out they make their decisions you need to respect their decisions and you can be upset but do not lash out towards a high school athlete who does not go to the school you cheer for
1: it looks like a georgia quarterback if i've ever seen one his profile his profile <laughs> picture on 24 7 sports he's obviously wearing a red jersey from his high school Rabin county but he's got the flippy brown hair like so many georgia quarterbacks have came before him like you know, Eason, Stafford Murray didn't have the flippy hair. Murray was, you know, short black hair. And then there was, um, why am I forgetting the previous quarterback at Georgia? What, what, yes, Jake yeah. Fromm. Jake Fromm. You know, yeah, I, he's he he looks just like all those guys. Six foot one, two twenty. He, he he's definitely more mobile than those guys were. I think about statues, Jake Fromm and and Matthew Stafford are, are statues. I think
2: I think he has a real potential to be better than a lot of those guys on that list you would
1: think but
2: Georgia has
1: something about squandering quarterback talent now
2: since Bobo left they didn't have they just haven't been able to develop a decent one I mean
1: JT Daniels has done pretty well in his short stint at playing this past year and he's probably the best quarterback returning in the SEC after that I would uh, we've said this multiple times on the show I think you go Bo Nix or Matt Corral as far as quarterbacks with experience in this league but JT Daniels is the best quarterback coming back for Georgia and you would imagine that he doesn't have that long left at UGA you could possibly see this guy start as a freshman right out the gates for Georgia if he does end up steady, stepping foot on it in Athens
2: that's that's crazy to think he could be a freshman quarterback at Georgia and that's that's not good news it's just bad news for Auburn fans and for the rest of the SEC because this kid's talented and if he's developed correctly and he plays from that early on, he could be a real threat. And Georgia, Georgia's always going to be good. They're always going to, at least in this tenure, they've proven that year in and year out they are a competitor in the SEC, not just the East, but in the SEC as a whole. And, I mean, it could be bad. He could be really good. He could be game changer if he pans out the way a lot of people have seen.
1: That's the one thing holding Georgia back from going to a national championship it's again. A pin- is a quarterback, of course, the national championship – or the the squad that made it to the national championship back in 2017, 2018. That squad, once again, Jake Fromm got worse over his career, I felt like. He he regressed. But that squad had so much around him. That defense was nasty. And you look at Man. so many of those guys that are in the league now, and they are primary options on defenses across the league. And then you look at Nick Chubb and what he's doing for Cleveland. He's honestly you know, take your pick between Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb in the AFC as the best running back because Nick Chubb was on track for a crazy year before he got hurt midseason. And I mean, Nick Chubb's a beast, and then Sonny Michelle,
2: he's usable. Don't forget <laughs> don't, don't forget about the most consistent player in the NFL, Sonny Michelle, who is consistently garbage year in and year out.
1: Wow. You went there. You and went in on it right waste, there.
2: Waste of a pick.
1: He's fine. He's fine. Yeah, he's
2: consistent. Consistently sure. bad.
1: Ouch. Ouch. Patriots fans out there upset with you right now and I mean he definitely hasn't panned out like people thought he would I I would go with that because you look at Sonny Michelle going to the next level you're like man this guy can pass catch he can do all these things and I think the Patriots drafted him thinking that he was the next James White and it did not work out that way whatsoever I just don't know if I'd go in on him as saying he's consistently garbage but something to note about Gunnar Stockton and an article off of Dogs 24-7 apparently he called coach uh he he apparently called coach smart the day after Muschamp was fired
2: wow wow the day after man no no lag time at all no uh no time to go find yourself no time to go experience anything else just went straight to it so that one hurts that one hurts
1: and I wonder if you talked to anybody else to any other coaches obviously that's not noted right here and Auburn was in the mix Georgia was the other major school pushing there other than South Carolina but as soon as he decommitted for South Carolina you had to feel like South Carolina had no chance this is definitely a loss for Auburn because this could have been the the biggest commit so far for coach Harson up to this point And, and it stinks to see Auburn miss on that guy but at the same time and I'm not I'm not say anything bad against Auburn's program at the moment but it's an uphill battle for Auburn to bring in commits like Gunnar Stockton at the moment considering you're going through a transition period for the program and I think recruits want to see things pan out I think Auburn's got to put some wins Uh, I think Auburn's got to put some some W's in the win column for guys to start committing to Auburn at least guys of this high profile nature to commit to Auburn but as we tease going into this segment throughout the show today, we'll revisit it segment to segment basis. We're going to be ranking the top non-conference SEC games for 2021. We've got a couple minutes left at this segment. We've got our top five non-conference games for the SEC. And this is excluding your end of season SEC, ACC matchups like Georgia, Georgia Tech and Clemson, South Carolina, Florida, Florida State. That's excluding those. Those happen every year. The stuff that's going on for this year early season, those first four or five weeks of the SEC football schedule. Five, you want to take it away here?
2: I'll go ahead. I'll start with five and I'll I'll go with Liberty at Ole Miss. I'm excited to That's watch fun. I'm excited to watch the Flames. My favorite coach, Hugh Freeze, taking on one of my other favorite coaches, Lane Kiffin. Should be a very fun, high scoring offensive game. I would not be surprised if Liberty came out on top in this one. I wouldn't be surprised if if it's a close game. I would just say, sit back, grab some popcorn, and just watch the offensive fireworks.
1: I'm curious, why is Hugh Freeze one of your favorite coaches? I understand the Lane Kiffin one more. A lot of people like Kiffin a lot, but you, Hugh
2: Freeze, help me get there. I've I've just fallen in love with him over the years. I don't know what it was. Something about this year, watching him at Liberty... And being able to text my brother and say It's more about the offense, right? Yeah, and just being able not the off the field stuff for sure. <laughs> but it was fun to this year was like the greatest meme at the beginning of the year. I could sit at home and text my brother and say, Are you watching this Liberty and whoever game? And he said, I, what? What school? What? And he he absolutely hated it and I loved it. And I kind of fell in love with Hugh Freeze from that meme.
1: Liberty was a fun team to watch this year, and culminating with that victory over Coastal Carolina at the end of the year, they were a fun team to watch. They definitely don't even make my my honorable mentions, uh, and we'll get to honorable mentions later. They don't even make that group for me. This game, I, it, I get why you put it there. It just doesn't it doesn't get there for me. And that's a late season matchup, right? That's like middle of the year, like week ten or something like that. Do you know when that is?
2: I can. It is. It's kind it's of later in the on in the I would year. Say It's not like, early. I would on. say seven or eight. College game day will be there. Just watch.
1: No way no way fifth for me miami alabama this one only made it onto the list because of, of logos this is obviously a national championship rematch miami's getting smacked in this game don't kid yourself about derrick king coming back being able to make any kind of difference Derek king was healthy and on the football team this year what happened against clemson they got smacked it's gonna happen to alabama too but just looking at the two teams on paper and getting to see those two uniforms trot out on the field only for a little bit, it'll be 0-0. Zero to zero. And we can say at one point the game was tied. But I, I think it's a fun game just to have those two teams playing each other. That game's going to be played in Atlanta, just the name value of it. But for me, especially at future Alabama football schedules, this game's much, much lower on the list. I'm waiting for Alabama to play Texas. You know, I'm waiting for that to go around. And just wait when Steve Sarkeesian rolls back and they're taking on the Crimson Tide. That's going to be a fun one with the way I think this offensive trajectory looks for the texas program but i couldn't move i couldn't i almost didn't even have them on there but i couldn't justify putting pittsburgh tennessee or stanford vandy or liberty old miss or louisville old miss in, into those categories i could i couldn't justify jumping that in the top five when i had those two names sitting there playing each other I'm- it
2: won't be a good game though I didn't put them on my list either, simply for the fact I don't think it'll be a good game. I'm going to watch it. I, my eyeballs will be on my television for I love, that. I love watching De'Aaron King, but this is not going to be close. Alabama wins that game by 20 plus, probably 30 if we're being honest, and it's How not going to be close. How will my
1: eyeballs be on that television? I cannot tell you, but for, for only first, a little bit, we will see it tied.
2: Before, uh, before too long, it'll probably be about five minutes of real life time before you're, you see what happens and go, you know what? Maybe I really don't want to watch this game. It's like
1: Jalen Hurts when he had his coming out party as a freshman against USC at the season opener. Of course, you look at it and you're like, Alabama-USC, that's fun. It's not Alabama-USC like mid-2000s fun. It's like Alabama's going to destroy USC. And, of course, Alabama fans are going to have fun watching them do that to a historic program. The names look good, but it doesn't do much better than that. On the other side of this break, we got Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer joining us on the line.
0: Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back.
1: Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you on the line. And joining us on the line, Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. Justin, appreciate you hopping on the show with us today. How you doing today, my man? I'm all right. How are y'all? We're doing great, and we're glad to have you with us this afternoon. It's been a big news week. You had the college football schedule for SEC teams coming out yesterday. Auburn hired a new defensive line coach. So there's a lot to break down here. We just wrapped up a segment. Before we get into the, the schedule and the new hire, we just wrapped up a segment talking briefly about Gunnar Stockton. Is, is this a big miss for Auburn? To not have this guy committing to the Tigers, uh, looking at future quarterback recruiting, you know, what are your thoughts on, on Stockton going to Georgia?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's tough to lose out on a guy that had a relationship with your offense coordinator, and, and, and to lose him to Georgia is also a, a pretty big deal uh, as well, because it's a guy you're going to be facing down the line at some point. So in those senses, it, it, is, it is a miss. It is a tough one for Auburn. But I think at this point, like, there, there's still plenty of time to get another quarterback in the 2022 class. And I'm sure Mike Bobo and Brian Harsin uh, will have a lot of options there to push for, uh, even if it not not be a five-star. But the other the other thing to keep in mind is that you have Demetrius Damus coming in 2021 class, the guy who decided to stay with his commitment to Auburn, sign, he, he's already enrolled here. Um, and, and there's a lot of, of upside with him. Uh, you know, he's got a, a really good – uh, record behind him uh, in Texas, playing at the highest classification football. He's a really uh, spectacular athlete uh, and a great, great, accurate quarterback. Um, so I think for Auburn, it's not necessarily you know a make or break, and I'm sure they'll continue to push in the 2022 class. Uh, but it, it does kind of pave the way a little bit more for Demetrius Davis to be the quarterback in the future now that now that Stockton is uh, is no longer going to be going to Auburn.
1: Well, let's get into the nitty-gritty of the 2021 Auburn football schedule. What was your major takeaway when the schedule was released?
3: Now, the balance of it. Uh, you get you, your 4 nine non-conference games at the beginning, uh, which has not happened in a very long time uh, for Auburn. Uh, and then you, you alternate uh, home and road uh, throughout SEC play. That, that hasn't been done for all, at Auburn since 2003. So you don't have any back-to-back road games. Um, you know, it's a, it's a very, very balanced schedule with the exception of Georgia LSU at the beginning. That's tough. That's a tough sequence for Auburn. But if you look at the rest of the schedule, there are only a couple of tweaks that could have been made where they've made that easier.
4: Um,
3: but you know, for, for a season, uh, that, that's, you know, going to be uh, a really interesting one for Brian Harson in year one, I don't think you could have set up a much better schedule than this one. You get a couple of games to get those systems, systems in and out there, work out some of the kinks. Uh, with Akron and, and Alabama State before you play Penn State in Week Three, and then you'll have another non-conference game to kind of build off of what you learned from from that Week Three game before you get into SEC play, and then then it's all business from, from you know the start of October on. So I think that balance of the schedule is going to really help out Auburn uh, in the lo- long run. It's going to be tough, but you know life's always tough in the SEC when you have a have a schedule like Auburn.
2: We've been talking about our favorite non conference sec matchup do you have a favorite one that you're just looking at from the get go and you're thinking I'm going to be watching that game for sure
3: I mean it's an easy answer but it's got to be Clemson and Georgia right like right. like Clemson and Georgia you know I want to see how Clemson kind of bounces back you know from from this past season DJ Olangoley you know being the guy and then with Georgia Georgia's got a ton of talent the question's always going to be with them is can they get their quarterback play to step up you know, there were some really good flashes out of JT Daniels, maybe with a full offseason, um, you know, he might be able to take that step forward and be more consistent and give Georgia what it needs to be a national championship contender. So that's going to be a really, really fun one, early neutral side game. Um, you know, aspect, I really wish it would have been a home-and-home, home, but, you know, that'll be, that'll be cool as well. And uh, I think, you know, whoever wins that week one game is going to have so much uh, hype around them moving forward. So that one's going to be really, really fun.
1: Another team that Auburn plays in their early SEC schedule that's playing kind of a a, a fun non-conference game. I don't, I don't know how close it'll be. I, I think UCLA's on the uptick. LSU and UCLA will be taking on each other. But talking about that LSU team in specific, Auburn opens up that SEC schedule on October 2nd in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We talked about this yesterday. It feels like this is going to be the, the most down LSU team in the last twenty years that Auburn can be can, could be possibly facing in Baton Rouge, even more so than what Auburn was taking on in twenty seventeen. Do you think that's accurate or is this LSU team gonna bounce back and get back in the mix this year? Yeah, it's
3: it's really interesting. I mean they've got so much talent and they and, and they just wanted to run it back, um, you know, with their coordinator hires. You know, you kinda you're kinda iffy usually whenever a team changes over both of their coordinators but keeps their head coach and now this is the second year they've had to do that. The fact that they're going after – you know, they went after and got guys from, you know, uh, the the Joe Brady and, and the Dave Aranda trees, so to speak, I think helps. They're, they're going to be really, really talented. Uh, they should be. Uh, not horrible schematically on defense uh, uh, next season, and then, you know, you'll have a lot of talent there. Uh, but, yeah, I, I do think this is Auburn's best chance to – you know, in t- terms of, uh, you know, opponent – to beat a, an LSU team on the road um, you know you don't get those that many opportunities and like I said you'll have that Georgia State game to kind of work out whatever you learn from the Penn State game good or bad and I think it will be a good opportunity uh, you know for Auburn to, to to go down there and get it done I mean, and you feel like it'd be a huge huge boost for Brian Harson if first in this first year in your first sec game you can be the one to break the streak and bat in baton roots so that one's going to be really really fun to watch um and i'm very curious to see what else you look like because i think kind of like auburn there's a lot of question marks about this team but still a lot of
1: talent defensive line coach swap nfl takes tracy rocker auburn takes nick eason from the nfl what do you think about this hire
3: yeah i mean it's a really impressive hire for auburn and i think you know there's a lot you could have gone into it and saying okay well I'll probably get another guy with some SEC experience to replace Rocker. No, they go to the NFL and bring in a guy who's got some southeastern ties and the fact that you know he played at Clemson. He, you know, with the uh, with the Tennessee Titans for for a while. He's had a couple other jobs around like that. Um, so I'd be very interested to see what that means for recruiting. But in terms of just purely teaching uh, guys and developing guys on the defensive line, he's got a really good track record uh, with that. You know, you don't become an NFL coach as quickly as he did without. You know, being really good at your craft, and uh, I, I think that's going to be really big for Auburn's defensive line in the future. You're switching, you know, defenses. There's going to be some more three-four influence with Derek Mason coming in. This is a guy uh, who who has spent a lot of time in the three-four and with the transitions that happened with the Tennessee Titans uh, when he was there, uh, you know, a few years back. Uh, so it'll be it'll be a really uh, really interesting uh, uh, you know place place for Auburn uh, to be at uh, up front. And I think um, I'll be very curious. Like I said what he does in impact in recruiting but i think that nfl background will help him i just think as a developer of talent and a schematic fit for what Derek mason's trying to build uh i think auburn really got a, a surprising but awesome hire uh in the
1: of course the the recruiting track record for him and you've already kind of noted this he's got ties to the southeast but he hasn't had a recruit before i'm curious for you off this defensive staff the only guy right now that i that I see that has consistent recruiting experience in the southeast is Derek Mason who do you think is going to be the primary recruiter on that side of the football yeah that's that's a really
3: interesting I think Mason will be very hands on uh with, with that and, and you know I, the one guy that I'm really interested to see who on defense can make a special as a recruiter uh is Zach Etheridge being an Auburn guy um a guy who is uh you know coached uh in Louisiana and Texas recently, he's kind of recruited. He's from Alabama. He's recruited some guys in Georgia in the past. Well, now you're bringing him, you know, into Auburn and saying, okay, you know, you've had these relationships and in the, in these in these recruiting areas, and these are some of the places we want to hit at Auburn. But now you're coming in with the brand of Auburn, you, coming in with the resources of Auburn behind you, and I, and I think that will be very interesting. If you go back time at uh, at, at at Louisiana Lafayette and Houston, he didn't just get cornerbacks. You know, he didn't just recruit cornerbacks he helped bring in guys at different positions uh, and you know as an area recruiter and so I'll be very very interested to see uh, how Etheridge brings it on that side of the ball um you know in terms of recruiting I think he's got a really really high uh, ceiling as a recruiter now that he's got auburn behind him, and you just know that when he walks into a room um, you know whenever he goes out and, and, and recruits these guys and talks to these guys, um, you know that that passion for Auburn is going to be genuine because he's a guy. Went through so much and succeeded at the highest level uh, when he was a player here.
1: Last question for you. Let's make it basketball-related. Obviously, everybody knows about the Titan matchup against Baylor this coming up weekend. What are your thoughts going into that game? Could Auburn shake up the college basketball world a little bit?
3: Uh, If Auburn scores like they have been doing with Sharif Cooper recently and and protecting the rim like they do, they're going to have a chance to hang with anybody they play. I, I really believe that, the way they've been able to play uh, with Cooper on the floor. And then, of course, you know nobody's better at blocking shots than college basketball season in Auburn. The, the interesting part is, is that this Baylor team's experience, they're well-drilled. They're right up there with Gonzaga in terms of having it all uh, as a team this season. And they're going to be right up there saying who's better, Gonzaga or Baylor. I think we're going to find out uh, a little bit more from the Auburn perspective on, on Saturday. One thing I'm really curious about in this game, Baylor can really, really shoot it from deep. They lit up Kansas State last night in that aspect. They're one of the best teams in the country. At efficiently and uh, consistently hitting from deep, uh, Auburn really hasn't played a really good three-point shooting team since Alabama. Um, you know there have been some times this season in the non-conference play where that hurt them. I'd be very curious to see how Auburn defends that uh, because Baylor's got a plenty of weapons that can light it up from outside.
1: Justin, thank you for joining us today. Tell everybody where they can find all the great content you're putting out. <laughs> yeah,
3: Jay Ferguson. You on Twitter is where you can follow me and keep up with my stuff. Uh, auburnobserver.com is uh, where i'm writing and podcasting uh six dollars a month or sixty dollars a year get you access to everything we got going on uh and it gets all gets emailed straight into your inbox uh whenever it comes out and we're posting stuff uh pretty much every day have a couple podcasts a week uh including one free one for everybody uh that we put out on the weekends you can find that at auburn observer uh wherever you listen to your podcast
1: appreciate it my man
3: absolutely thank y'all
1: That was Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. It's always great to talk to him. He's always got great insight. We continue with On the Line, wrapping up the first hour on the other side of this break here on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama.
0: On the Line on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM and ESPN 106.7.
1: Wrapping up the first hour of On the Line, Noah Garner, Levi Fitzwater with you. Follow ESPN 106.7 on Facebook and Twitter to keep up with the latest going on at the station. On the Line, The Drive with Bill Cameron, analysis, news, and more. That's all on ESPN 106.7. Find the website on ESPN a another thank you out there to justin ferguson of the auburn observer for hopping on with us in that last segment if you missed the conversation go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast let's take a listen to what's on tv tonight Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. Game show lineup on ABC with Celebrity Wheel of Fortune at 7, a revamped The Chase at 8, and The Hustler at 9. Movie selection for tonight, Marvel's Ant-Man is on Sci-Fi at 6.30. Thursday night, college basketball begins a little early at 4 on ESPNU with Oregon State at USC. Michigan State will head to Piscataway, New Jersey to take on Rutgers at 6 on FS1. At 7 on ESPN2, Memphis is at SMU. At 8 on ESPN, number 6, Houston will head to New Orleans for a battle with Tulane. Also at 8, some local action between UAB and Middle Tennessee on CBS Sports Network. Ramping up the night on the West Coast, Stanford at Arizona on ESPN2 at 9, and California at Arizona State on FS1 at 10. Two NBA games are on TNT beginning at 6.30 with the Trailblazers versus the Rockets. At 9, the Warriors and the Suns will square off in Phoenix. I'm Noah Gardner, and that's what's on TV tonight. Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you on the line. A solid lineup of college basketball on your Thursday evening. Some NBA basketball as well. So much has changed at the national level in in, in the NBA. So much has changed in the league. James Harden's a net now, of course. That's obviously old news, but just so much has changed at that level. The Warriors no longer among among the nba's elite it was fun while it lasted right but let's go back to our conversation that we were having earlier ranking the top non-conference sec games for 2021 we both went through our fives let's go back and let's say our honorable mentions before we get into the top four for us and we, we won't do the top four here in this hour we'll do the top four in the next hour so stay with us for that top non-conference sec games of 2021 excluding those end of season bouts that you see between the acc and the sec your florida florida state georgia georgia tech clemson south carolina my five was miami alabama your five was liberty old miss that one didn't even make my honorable mentions i get why you put it in there it should be a high scoring game unless old miss has magically learned how to play defense Who's an honorable mention for you that didn't make your list, but you're going to watch it because you find it, 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 it to be entertaining in some way.
2: I think I'm going to go with Pittsburgh and Tennessee. I think that one's just... It, Same. It's, it's going to be a very interesting game It's a big game watch. for
1: Tennessee. Decidedly could help them get to a bowl game at the end of the year if there are no NCAA sanctions restricting them from that level.
2: And Pittsburgh's been playing very well over the past few years. Not great, not amazing, but they've had a few good wins. You remember... What was that three or four years ago they go in to Death Valley and upset Clemson they've had a few big wins over their tenure here lately but again I'm more interested from the perspective of what this means for Tennessee if Tennessee can win this game it's really big for their program if they lose this game it's going to be a hard climb up because you we went through their schedule yesterday we we're kind of expecting them to win this game and if they don't it's going to be a it's going to be a real setback because Six and six looks a lot worse than seven and five.
1: Pittsburgh went six and six this past year in 2020 in the ACC. And Pittsburgh up and down these past 10 years. Obviously, they were a a huge Big East program, as big as a Big East program could get at the time. But Pittsburgh, Tennessee was also one of my honorable mentions. It's more about what this means from a Tennessee perspective because of where we are in the Southeast. Outside of the Southeast, if you're an ACC team, you're looking at this game. I and Pittsburgh, you see, all right, is this team above average? Is this team better than what we've been playing in recent years? If you beat Tennessee, not saying that Tennessee is anything to hang your hat on, but it is still an SEC team with a lot of talent that's been recruited and a coach that knows a thing or two about offense and developing coaches. It might not raise eyebrows, but at least Pittsburgh can carry some confidence of that into the next year or, or the remainder of their schedule it's an early season matchup i think that's week two i believe yes that's week two pittsburgh tennessee that one's fun something else that's taking place in the sec schedule that, I, that i'm gonna have my eyes on i'll go a different honorable mention Concerning you went pittsburgh tennessee i'll go stanford vanderbilt first major game for clark lee at vanderbilt getting to take on a stanford team that's down stanford's program is down compared to where jim harbaugh left them with david shaw early on in David Shaw's time at, at Stanford. This is the lowest we've seen that program at, at, at his time period. They're out, out there in, I, I guess, that, is that Palo Alto out there in California. And so for me, this game for Vanderbilt, huge opportunity. We've seen them play other teams that have big names from outside the SEC tough. When Derek Mason was there, we saw them beat Kansas State. We saw them take Notre Dame to the wire a couple, a couple of years ago, back in 2018. And then this year, they'll get a chance to play a down Stanford team, where when I think you look at these two teams on paper, of course, Stanford's probably more talented. But as far as the type of DNA that has been built into this Vanderbilt team, they play hard. They're going to play hard for their next head coach, Clark Lee. And I think they're going to be wanting to put an imprint on this game. And I don't think Vanderbilt talent is that far lagging behind stanford talent because they're playing with the same restrictions on recruiting as vanderbilt is i think i think stanford's done better at building their roster out of course but you're talking about west coast finesse going against southeast hard-nosed ball I, that brings a lot of that that's interesting to me it's obviously not one of the high profile matchups of the non-conference season in the sec but it is it is interesting to me let's get to our top four then we still got a couple of minutes left in this first hour let's get to our top four then four on your list
2: levi I'll let you go. I'll let you go with your top four. first.
1: Texas-Arkansas, for me, makes it on there. And pretty much for the remainder of my list, it's about names. Pretty much my top five was about names. And this one's a rivalry game, of course. I don't know how good Arkansas is going to be this year. They played hard for Sam Pittman in year one, but they obviously couldn't get around the lack of talent that they had on their roster. They played everyone hard, but still a lack of talent saw them lose games to teams like LSU, where you thought maybe that is one that they should have won when they played teams like Auburn so tough, you know? But they're taking on a Texas team that has the recruiting classes all over the place inside the top ten. They had Their their most recent recruiting class was eighth, and then before that, they had two top three recruiting classes. Steve Sarkeesian is walking into a situation where they have loads of talent and a lot of weapons on the offensive side of the ball. This one's going to be fun for me to see Steve Sarkeesian go against a team that is at least of Big 12 caliber in their non-conference schedule, and it's got the historical aspect to it. This is historically a rivalry game back from their days in the Southwest Conference.
2: The old Southwest days, the rivalry that one's a that one's going to be a good game i'm very interested to see steve Sarkisian what he's going to do in year one you've got arkansas coming in we're, we're thinking they're going to make a little bit of a jump here that game didn't crack my list unfortunately so i apologize for that
1: well who's your fourth, real quick we're about to be the the stings
2: playing out who's your fourth i'll tease it for you it's a texas a&m game and i'll get to it later on
1: all right hour number two we'll get your four and we'll keep going through this as we go along the show ranking the top non-conference sec games for 2021 nick eason named defensive line coach for auburn most important game for brian harson to win in 2021 all that coming up in the second hour of on the line you don't want to miss it stay with us
0: you are on the line live on fox sports central alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 106.7. Listen online at foxsports983.com or ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502.
1: Hour number two of On the Line, Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you on the show on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Find us on Twitter at Point Gardner at Levi Fitzwater. We've had a fun show so far. Thank you to Justin Ferguson of the auburn observer for joining us in the first hour if you missed that go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast we've been ranking the top non-conference sec games for 2021 talked a bit about nick eason being named the new defensive line coach at auburn we'll all wrap wrap, right back around to that uh in in this first segment let's start it off though going back to ranking our top non-conference games in the SEC for 2021 excluding those end of year ACC SEC games I've already given you my five and four Miami Alabama and then Texas Arkansas was fourth on my list who's fourth on your list Levi you were teasing this going into the segment
2: I said it was a Texas A&M game and I think you know where I'm going with it Kent State at Texas A&M the first week Dustin Crum and the boys are coming into town going into the 12th man I'm excited to watch that one. You don't just play Kent State and get out easy. I think Dustin Crum, who's a fifth-year player now, three-year starter, he's going to come in there and give this lackluster Aggies team, overrated Aggies team that lost all these players, they're going to give them a run for their money. You're messing. I love it. Did you
1: really put that on your list? Of course, I'm excited. They play Colorado, man.
2: Yeah, but I'm more excited to watch Kent State. Dustin Crum and them boys are coming into town. That one's going to be a big game, I'm telling you. What did they
1: do last year in the MAC?
2: um i know they won a few games they covered a few games if i recall that much
1: did you actually oh no
2: <laughs> i'm just excited to watch it man i love you it actually did this Kent not state the some of the greatest uniforms in college football as well the bolts on the side of Those the helmet do look good the yellow and blue i'm they telling do you look good watch out text a&m on upset alert no first game of the year it's happening
1: maybe on upset alert when they go to Colorado in a couple of weeks. That's the high profile matchup on the Texas A&M schedule.
2: That's the high pro- I th- I'm I'm more excited to watch the Kent State game than I am the Colorado game. I just think there's just way too much. What do you to think that'll here. be
1: televised on?
2: Facebook Live? <laughs> maybe Twitch? <laughs> Kent State finished second in their division last year. Had a lot of good quality wins. I was
1: not expecting that. I want, I want the community to know. I had no idea.
2: Lost to Buffalo, seventy to forty-one. Buffalo is a tough team. I mean, seventy to
1: forty—that's not basketball.
2: They got beat fifty-six to three by Clemson, but I, was, I mean, that Clemson team was tough. Oh, I mean, they were a man. playoff team. I'm right. telling you, Kent State, Texas A&M, must see TV from the non-conference slate.
1: You have thrown me off so bad. We are diverting from this conversation to go elsewhere. <laughs> Nick Eason hired as the new defensive line coach at Auburn and we will revisit our top three I'm a little scared now (laughs) watch out folks it could be Auburn Alabama State in this guy's top five hey don't Uh, spoil it (laughs) oh man Nick Eason new defensive line coach at Auburn hired away from the NFL from the Cincinnati Bengals after these last two years but also he's been He's been at stops in Tennessee with the Titans as well. Uh, Really, his most illustrious track record was when he started his career out finally getting on the field as defensive line coach with the Tennessee Titans. He did some major things there. We touched on this briefly in the first segment of the show. I said, you know, when you look at the press release and what they specifically pointed out, they pointed out that he helped with the transition of the Tennessee Titans defensive line from a 4-3 to the 3-4, which you still see is a 3-4 defensive line today. And he had some great run defenses that he was at the heart of. Eighty-eight yards allowed per game in his first two seasons there with the Titans. That's solid. And run stop in the NFL, typically, you know, a good day at the office when you're running the football. Somewhere in between get and tell me if you agree with this, you know, one ten to one one thirty is a good day at the office running the football. I mean, you're happy if you're averaging four yards a carry on in the NFL. In college, it's it's much higher. You know, you're having a great day if it's above five somewhere around six if you're running the football really well. In the NFL, it's much lower. Some teams are happy with three and a half yards of carry, especially if you can add some touchdowns onto that and do some things in the passing game on the ground. Some teams are happy with that. He was holding folks to 88 yards allowed per game and helped them through that transition. I think this is just another indicator alongside all of the other cookie crumbs that have been dropped throughout this offseason. Obviously, nobody's came out and said, we're moving to the 3-4. Nobody said that, but Derek Mason brings a 3-4 track record. Wooten's back T.D. Moultrie's moving to inside linebacker you look at the two and and they specifically say inside linebacker also they have outlined two position coaches on the defense as inside linebackers and outside linebackers coach that's another indicator to me and then obviously what has happened here with Nick Eason saying about the transition from the 4-3 to the 3-4 I think it's evident now I'm pretty confident that Auburn's going to be moving into a 3-4 defensive look on the defensive side of the football and that's huge. I'm excited about that and what that can mean for Auburn stopping the run.
2: You don't put that in the press release if you're not transitioning. Like that's it's one of those things where they say that pretty much to verify and explain why this is the higher that they're making because Auburn is going to be transitioning to that 3-4 scheme now. It's going to be very very interesting to watch it because it's been so different for so long. But man, I'm just ex- I want to see them be able to stop the run. I want to see linebackers out there. We've we've been running with two linebackers most of the time for the past few years and now we're going back to a more 3-4 scheme and it's just going to be very very beneficial to see Auburn actually be able to stop the run with linebackers using linebacker help and TD Moultrie a big beneficiary of this because he gets to go play his normal position or what the position he was recruited to play it's 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 exciting I like this hire too it's I love the NFL experience. You know I'm an NFL guy. So when you bring a guy with Obviously, that Obviously,
1: you said you were excited to watch Texas A&M Kent State in college football.
2: Of course, of course. I mean, that's a good You're game. To, me, man. That is a good game, man. Don't sleep on Kent State uh, and Dustin Crum and them boys. Don't sleep on them. 5-year player. You got an extra year of eligibility. Don't sleep. Don't sleep on them. Back to Nick Eason. Back, back to Nick Eason I love the NFL track record it shows that he's been able to develop guys he got a lot out of Carl Lawson we hinted at that earlier in the show that he's improved every year he's been in the NFL especially from just a pure pass rusher to being able to play on the field at all times Nick Eason knows how to develop he knows and Brian Harson knows what he wants he knows what he wants he wants a guy with NFL track record he wants a guy who can develop it's it's a lot like Tracy Rocker except without the Auburn connection
1: and without the recruiting, the Southeast ties. And of course, yes. Rocker's thing that people did not hold their hat on was certainly the recruiting side of things. Obviously, if people were going to down the Rocker hire, it was his recruiting that they would latch on to. This is the same. It's the same with this. If people are going to down this hire, it's that there is absolutely zero recruiting track record in the Southeast, other than the fact that he himself was recruited as a football player when he was coming out of lions georgia to go and play football at clemson he's got no experience in that he's been purely his coaching career is only in the nfl is that a big deal i don't know we'll find out if it's a big deal it could not be this guy could be super charismatic he could be a great recruiter he's probably going to have to recruit defensive line coaches typically recruit he's probably going to have to do that and a lot and he may end up maybe auburn likes his personality he's like this guy's going to be a good recruiter you know there are some people that just they don't start out in sales but you can see you're like you'd be a really good salesman that it's the same thing with recruiting I think there are just some personalities that just fit that mold and maybe he fits that mold and they like that about him and they don't see this as being a a major recruiting concern because I asked Justin Ferguson this and I said I said who's going to be the primary recruiter on the defensive side of the ball for Auburn none of these guys have experience in the southeast other than Derek Mason at least consistently recruiting the southeast and Derek Mason is recruiting a different tier of player when he was at Vanderbilt. It's like, it's like Derek Mason was not competing with Alabama for recruits. He was not competing with Georgia for recruits. He was competing with Middle Tennessee for so he recruits. Was, he
2: was competing with Sunbelt and Conference USA teams. He and, wasn't competing and, and with Tennessee
1: the big ones. In Tennessee and, and Middle Tennessee and other in-state teams and Ole Miss and Mississippi State, just lower-end SEC schools he was recruiting against in some ACC schools. He wasn't having to go toe-to-toe with the big boys. Now he's having to go toe-to-toe with the big boys and Derek Mason's a super charismatic guy. Part of what's hurting him as a recruiter at Vanderbilt is because he's at Vanderbilt and there are strict recruiting restrictions there based on academic parameters, but on top of that, you're also Vanderbilt and then now he's getting to a place where his charisma and his defensive skill set can really flourish. He's been at Stanford and Vanderbilt in his track record, and trying to recruit those places is super difficult. This is the first time we're getting to see Derek Mason get to recruit at a place where you know, there there is a track record of talent where there's a history where they are actually in the mix for for big time guys. We could see Derek Mason's recruiting just take off, right? And so I, I'm excited about that for him because I think it's really going to work out for Derek Mason. I'm just wondering where it is on this staff right now because right now I can't point to other than Derek Mason there being a position group guy where I'm like, oh yeah, he's he's going to work out for sure. Like without a doubt, he's going to work out. Of course, Zach Etheridge draws some
2: interest. I like I like Zach Etheridge, but to agree with what you said, there's not a guy who, who you're looking at thinking. There's
1: not a Rodney Garner.
2: There's not a guy that's there's just not solidified. not a track record, Derek Mason's the only one that I feel confident in saying, for sure, he's going to be at least charismatic enough and have the personality and a track record in terms of just the SEC in general. It's a little bit different. You know, Vanderbilt to Auburn. I think he's the guy that you look at as the strong point in recruiting. Other than that, it's... It's a, little, it's a little suspect. It's a little sketchy. I think Zach Etheridge is going to be a good recruiter. It's just yet to be seen.
1: The other thing about Eason, though, and I don't want people to think I'm dogging this hire because I like this hire more than the Tracy Rocker. I like this one more than Rocker, mainly because I see what Eason has done in the NFL at the places he's done it at during lean periods at both of those locations. He the got Titans. hired.
2: He got hired the second his career ended in the to, NFL. To be
1: uh, – to be an intern with the Cleveland Browns, but he was only an intern with the Browns for one year. And then in 2014, he was with the Titans, and he was thrown into it right away. And you see the development of several guys on that defensive line and the Titans defense this year, not great, but you see for the past couple of years, the Titans defense has been renowned in the AFC. Not this year. But in previous years, that front has been has been concerning for folks. Guy named guy by the name of Jarrell Casey has been a concern for people, you know. And he was a big part of that back in 2014. And then as the years progress, he ends up now in, in Cincinnati. And he, he really didn't have enough time with Cincinnati and with the group of players. But I think we've seen some development there on that D-line. Carl Lawson, one of those players, of course, he inherited – geno atkins helped him to another pro bowl of course it's nice to know that he didn't just fall off the ledge you know but since he doesn't really have a whole lot of talent anywhere and i think he was in the process of helping that unit get better major check mark in development on the defensive line which auburn seriously needs right now because there's a lot of youngsters on that defensive line what will remain to be seen here and in a lot of position groups pretty much everywhere on this auburn coaching staff what will remain to be seen is recruiting that is just a massive, just if I had to, to the, just the biggest question mark about this on-field coaching staff, you know, last week we had a show where we said, you know, what's the biggest takeaway? I think it was last Friday. What's the biggest takeaway that you got about the on-field coaching staff at Auburn? And, you know, we're talking all about, you know, the experience and blah, 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 blah. And then you get now, I'm going back now and I'm saying it's evident that recruiting is the biggest question mark I mean, it's huge. It is the biggest thing glaring at Auburn right now. Maybe I'm just blowing it out of proportion, but I feel like other people aren't talking I don't, about this worth I don't enough. Think you're,
2: I don't think you're blowing it out of proportion. I don't think – don't. It, it appears to me that recruiting wasn't a concern for Brian Harson. He didn't go in here thinking, I want this guy because he's great at recruiting. He said, I want guys who are going to come in and coach football. And I, and I like that. And I think a lot of people at Auburn are honestly probably going to be excited about it, and I think that translates – to recruiting which funny enough it's a little ironic that he doesn't care about recruiting but he's going to have guys who are coming in with that hard nose mentality a lot of guys are going to see that want to play for it is this like a reversion to the Tuberville days it's what it seems like
1: but I just it's just so it's just staring at us in the face everybody is so unproven in recruiting this area of the country and sure you can make the argument that recruiting is recruiting no matter where you're at but it, it is it is You're you're recruiting against different beast. I mean, look at how much money Alabama pumped into recruiting. Those reports came out last week, and Alabama pumped in over two million dollars in recruiting, whereas Auburn only did about six hundred thousand. Georgia did it up there as well. Like Auburn's being outspent by some of the other big dogs. Now Auburn's on average around where most of the other SEC teams are, but if you want an example enough of why recruiting in the Southeast is just different from everywhere else. Look at how much money the two powerhouses are pumping into it right now, and, and that is a that is that is grade A. The reason right there, why it, it is a whole different ball game. It's a, recruiting is not just recruiting. It's recruiting is recruiting everywhere else in the country. There's not a big difference between recruiting the Northeast and recruiting, you know, the Northwest or recruiting the Midwest. There's, okay, sure, if you were a good recruiter there, you could translate that anywhere else. It's different in the Southeast. The Southeast is a whole different. It's a whole different beast. I mean, the football is on a whole nother level here. It and is. Y- You can't, I, I, that's the only way you can spin it. It's different. But you know what's not different? Well, the online is different. It's different from, from what else is out there. You should stay with us here on On the Line.
0: You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. We'll be right back.
1: You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. If you want to call into the show, call in at 334-321-1390. for toll free at 888-382-7502. We want to hear from you. Talk to us. What are your thoughts on the Auburn football schedule? Coming up in our next segment, we'll have Aaron Fitt, the co-editor and national writer for D1Baseball.com, going to be talking some Auburn and Alabama baseball with us. He's got the Auburn Tigers ranked inside the D1Baseball.com preseason rankings at number 23 so somebody out there is believing in this Auburn baseball team after how last year's season ended going into that pandemic because it was rocky it was rocky to say the least with some of those midweek losses getting swept by UCF in one weekend so I'll be interested to hear from him what he thinks is going on with Auburn baseball going into this year what what is the reason for excitement about that auburn baseball team not saying that they're gonna be bad not dogging the team i I genuinely want to know you know let's let's get pumped about baseball season it's starting in under a month february 19th is that first pitch day throughout the show we've been ranking our top non-conference sec games for 2021 we've done five and four which people are just gonna i'm SMHing at at, at your list right now I, i just i don't get it shaking my head I'm five with Miami, Alabama, and four, Texas, Arkansas. You were at five, Liberty, Ole Miss, and four, Kent State, Texas A&M. Please tell me your list is on the uptick. Give me number three.
2: Number three is a little bit better. I like Troy at South Carolina. Troy has had a few good upsets over the years. You're messing. At Nebraska, at LSU in that purple jersey game. I want to see if this Troy team can go up there and beat a South Carolina team that honestly wasn't very good last year. They beat Auburn, but Auburn wasn't very good last year. I think Troy can go up there into Columbia and actually steal a win at the Gamecocks. Do you do any good games on this list? I've got a lot. I've nothing but good games. I mean, Kent State Texas A and M, Liberty at Ole Miss, Troy at South Carolina. You got a lot. I of had no fun idea about watch. any
1: of this. This is wild.
2: Troy at South Carolina. That is going to be a big game. Again, we've seen Troy <sighs> go into these big Power Five schools, the big guys who just want to. Just step all over them, and Troy can go in there in these environments and win. And I think they're going to do that this year too.
1: Third on my list, we'll we'll actually have real names on here. LSU against UCLA. UCLA. This one only above Texas and Arkansas. I think the Texas Arkansas game will be, you know, as far as like pound for pound better teams. Like I think Texas is a better football team than LSU, and I think Arkansas is a better team than UCLA. Pound for pound better, but I'm more excited about this LSU UCLA game. For the reason, if you're seeing LSU go to a place that they traditionally don't play, they're going to the Rose Bowl. I'm always going to trend towards historic sites like the Rose Bowl. That will be fun. UCLA's also a bit on the uptick, and we have seen UCLA play well against other SEC teams that they've opened their season with. Last time, notably, the Texas A&M Aggies. Of course, they blew a colossal lead that day against Texas A&M, but... I I don't know if they'll have a lead to blow against LSU in this one. But Dorian Thompson, Robinson's been fun to watch for UCLA. I think we've steadily seen this Bruin team get better. And when I say steadily, I mean truly steadily, like the bottom of an exponential curve. They, They have not reached that boom point yet. And I'm wondering if this year is the boom point for UCLA, where they're just, you know, it's one plus one is two, two plus two is four, four plus four is eight but are we about to get to 16 are we about to get to 32 are we about to get to 64 is this thing growing exponentially with ucla are they on an exponential curve and they're just now about to take off because i think chip kelly's on the hot seat going into this year i think ucla people are like all right it's time for results this year we saw a much better ucla team in 2020 they gave oregon a tough time they gave usc a tough time they were able to win a few games out in the pac-12 i think this year It'll be a fun it'll be a fun game to watch against LSU out the gates, who I think, you know, you still don't know what's going on at quarterback. They're having to go on the road this year, and then new coaches, new staff. This is not an easy way to open up when UCLA is like we've had our coach for several years, and they've steadily gotten better. LSU on the other hand, we've seen regression and they're on a hot seat as well. This is a hot seat game for two coaches, Orgeron and, and, and Kelly, and whoever loses this game. Obviously, I think it's a, I think it's more important for Orgeron to win this game than Kelly. You'll give UCLA a pass for losing to LSU if they rebound in Pac-12 play. But this is a big game for both of these coaches trying to start off 2021. Hot seat years for them trying to start it off on a high note.
2: I didn't realize this until just now. UCLA, every game that they lost, lost by one possession this year. Yep. That's How many wins? They have two wins. What was it? Two and four, I think. One, two, three. Lost to what? Three. Three and four, three and three. Yeah. Lost to USC by five points. Lost to Stanford in overtime by one point. Oregon, they had the ball and they were driving to win. Lost by three to Oregon, driving to win. Lost to Colorado by six points. Those are tough. All those teams
1: were good. USC was good. Oregon was good. Colorado was undefeated for a long period of time. Who was the other loss off of that group? Stanford. Yeah, they were bad.
2: That, yeah, was like, one, that Sam- one wasn't Sanford good. Saver was bad. But, I mean, you're competing in every teams game. Teams they beat? They beat Arizona they State, who has been pretty good the past few years. and They beat were
1: mad this year.
2: Arizona they and were bad. Cal. They weren't Cal this year. Cal was
1: bad either. Okay, so they beat bad teams. But it's at least good to see them competing with the top end of the Pac-12. And if they can
2: just turn a few of those close games into wins, they could really do numbers in the Pac-12, which, again, this is going to be an interesting game because this could start that that curve it could start that trending upward for them
1: all right number two on your list i'm preparing for another group of five
2: school oh number two McNeese state at lsu that's going to be a purple jersey game you better watch out when McNeese state you couldn't have at least given me a, to a, town. a group of
1: five team Yeah, to give me an fca is, is this a list of of getting worse incrementally worse
2: i don't think it's getting worse i mean last time that they played in 2010 McNeese state was playing the lsu tigers pretty close in baton rouge if i'm not mistaken it was about 32 to 10 you don't expect that out of mcneese state going into halftime only trailing okay, by, genuinely, what, six?
1: Though, what what is interesting about this game that had you put this on your list other than just messing with me
2: oh because it's a purple game for lsu and because pur- they're gonna wear their they're, they're gonna, gonna wear, wear, the, wear pur- the purple jerseys i want to watch the purple jerseys and they usually That's play it. bad in the purple jerseys okay but, yeah, I think that's interesting to watch McNeese them. What did
1: East State do last year in football? Well, obviously, they didn't play this past year in football. So, they two didn't. years ago.
2: So, two years ago, they didn't have a great year. They didn't, haven't had of a course. lot of great football years. That's right. It's a purple jersey game for LSU. You always want to watch those. One of the last times they wore the purple was when the Troy Trojans came in and beat them. Don't sleep on, don't sleep on the purple jersey curse game.
1: Ranking, at least I am. I'm ranking my top games for next year in our non-conference. You told me the
2: games I wanted to watch. These are the games I want to watch.
1: Actually, on the rundown, it says, rank the top non-conference SEC games for 2021.
2: These are the top ones for me.
1: (laughs) Rank the top non-conference SEC games for 2021. Your list includes a lot of stuff that my eyeballs eyeballs won't touch. Maybe if Liberty Ole Miss ends up an 11 a.m. kick, maybe i will watch that game my list so far miami alabama was fifth texas arkansas was fourth lsu ucla was third yeah pittsburgh tennessee is an honorable mention right now that that would be at the top of your list in my opinion all right number two i went auburn penn state auburn penn state does not edge who's at the top of my list and i think most people can guess what's at the top of my list but we'll get to that later i'll save that for later on in the show auburn penn state auburn fans got to be pumped about this one going to University Park you hope that this is an option to be a road trip game because I know a lot of Auburn folks have been preparing for this moment have been hoping for this moment to be able to go there these two teams have only played twice in their history and it's split at one to one so not overly familiar this is a measuring stick game for Auburn in week three for them on their schedule they're going to have one week in between this and SEC play which opens up in Baton Rouge against LSU it's a chance for you to see where you're at before you go to SEC play Penn State LSU I think if you had to compare the two teams this year they were pretty close to each other in skill level will it be the same way will Penn State rebound will LSU rebound will both of them rebound it'll be interesting to see and we'll have a good look going into this game two teams that I think Auburn's obviously had a much better year than Penn State did but both of these teams I think are in rebuild mode both, both of these teams are in rebuild mode and it'll make for it'll make for a competitive football game
2: in week three. They both fell short of expectations. I mean, Penn State and Auburn always have playoff aspirations. They're big schools, and it's going to be, be kind of weird to see these two teams play. I'm just not used to seeing here in Auburn and Penn State playing each other. It's going to be a tough road game if there's going to be enough fans there yet to be seen. I would like to think there's going to be probably some –
1: You'd like to believe that it's gonna be fifty percent or more,
2: right? I, I would like to think it's fifty. I don't think it's gonna be quite the twenty we've seen this past year, but I think it'll probably be about half capacity. It'll still be a very tough environment. It's gonna be a really good test for this Auburn team to see where we're at with the new coaching staff going on the road to a really tough environment. Who's your second team? My second what do you mean second team?
1: Okay, second second game on this list. I mean
2: That was my second game. Auburn Penn two. State? No, that, no, uh, oh, that McNe- McNeese State was my second one.
1: Oh, really? Already got there? Okay, yeah, my we're bad. already
2: there at number two.
1: Please tell me Auburn Penn State's at the top of your list.
2: It is, it is an Auburn game.
1: Oh, it's Auburn Alabama State. I, I, I said that earlier as a joke. And Alabama
2: State at Auburn. Last time these two teams played, <sighs> know the thing. Good teams win, great teams cover. Auburn did not cover in that game in 2017, Alabama State covered the massive 63. Point spread in that game, thanks in large part to a, t- a touchdown from Alabama State, and not only that, a safety. What year was that? 2017. I thought they last played in 18 or 18. 2018. I am my years wrong.
1: Yeah, they played in 18. Yeah, I, Auburn, I remember Auburn playing bad in that game. They didn't. That play was great. Auburn's first home game. I remember Auburn playing bad in that game.
2: Didn't play great. I remember great.
1: Auburn playing bad in a lot of games that year.
2: That's that's very very true. Remember Auburn not
1: true. covering in a lot of those openers. And they didn't Southern cover, miss did cover in that
2: Alabama State game. 63 points. Man, in my opinion, Alabama State won that game.
1: No. <laughs> they also, covered. And also, cover, who could possibly cover a 63-point line?
0: Not
2: Auburn. And who
1: would want to do that to somebody else? Like, Not that, Auburn. That's borderline poor sportsmanship. Just like what you've done to me with this list. I'm just absolutely blown away. I'll give you my top one, the legit top one, here on On The Line, on the other side of this break.
0: Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back.
1: On the line, Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you here on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. And joining us on the line, Aaron Fitt, the co-editor and national writer for D1Baseball.com. Aaron, baseball season it's in the air in, in, in the college game, and we couldn't be more excited about the next month and, and, and you know the first pitch for Auburn baseball under a month away, but how are you doing? I know content's wrapping up for you guys on uh, on D1Baseball.com.
4: Yeah, this is always one of the, the busiest times of the year for us, You know, cranking through all these conference previews and uh, breaking down all the top 25 teams and uh, prospect lists galore. We kind of get our heads uh, lost in, in, the, in the list media here, but uh, we're doing pretty good.
1: Well, let's talk about this Auburn baseball team. You guys have y'all's preseason top twenty-five rankings out there, and Auburn cracks that list. and I, And I think that should be exciting for a lot of Auburn fans. That that last time they saw Auburn baseball out there, they were losing some midweek games that they didn't want to lose. They got swept by UCF before the pandemic hit. Finished thirteen and five before before the season was was ended. You know, sell me on this Almer team as a top 25 team this year. I, I, obviously, there's got to be some excitement there because, you know, it, it's hard to win in the SEC.
4: Yeah, it sure is. And it's going to be harder than ever this year, you know, with as much talent as there is in the league. Uh, guys that have come back um, to campus that ordinarily would have gone and, and played pro ball. But because of the five round draft, I mean, everybody is just loaded. Um, and, and there's more, I think, high profile freshmen in the league as well for that same reason. So it, it's going to be a war. But um, one thing I like about Auburn is that they they are battle tested. You know, a lot of these teams are, are going to be relying on um, second year players who you know didn't even get a chance to play a single SEC game last year uh, because the season was canceled after four weeks. But Auburn, you got a core of, of proven Omaha veterans. You know, they're back from 2019. Um, Rankin Woley and um, you know Ryan Bliss and Judd Ward and Casey Howell and Stephen Williams. I mean, those are all really nice accomplished. SEC winning players, they're they're, they're going to grind out at bats, uh, and they have ability too. I mean, it's not just that they're veterans; they're, they're good players. But um, th- I think the real key for me, the, the reason I was sold on Auburn, was you know this fall uh, ran in there for their fall up series, and and you know you look at Richard Fitz, and he's just a different guy than he used to be. You know, he's been a nice uh, kind of you know bullpen piece his first two seasons, and, and now all of a sudden he's made that big jump. He can be the, the next legitimate Friday night ace, you know, first round pick potentially, uh, following on, in the footsteps of, of Tanner Burns and Casey Mines. I think he can be that same kind of guy. You know, it's 92 to 96, 97 miles an hour with, uh, you know, serious life through the zone, and he's he's improved his slider. It's harder. He's got a change up now. I think it, it's all just kind of clicked together for him. And so that was maybe the one piece when you look at Auburn, um, you know, at the end of the season, you're thinking, oh, boy, you know, they lost Tanner Burns. They don't have that proven front line pitching um, I think with Fitz now you have that. Uh, he'll be proven very quickly in that role because I think he's going to he's going to thrive.
1: Cody Greenhill possibly moving out of the bullpen as well to being a part of that that starter that starter group for the Tigers that starting rotation. Greenhill, uh, you know, what do you think of him maybe as a prospect going up? Because traditionally up to this point he's he's kind of moved around in the bullpen. You know, we've seen him as a closer, we've seen him in middle relief last year. What, what do you think about him moving forward into this season?
4: Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense to use him as a starter. And the reason that I think they, they really ultimately made this decision was because as good as he's been in the bullpen, um, he's not one of those guys who's got an elastic arm. You know, you, you kind of can use him once over the course of a weekend. He doesn't bounce back as well. Um, and, you know, that's still valuable, but uh, if, if you've got to use him on a Friday night and then he's spent, um, you know, what's, your, what's the best way you can maximize know, get the most innings out of him? And I think the way to do that is to just put him in the rotation and let him go as far as he can go. Um, you know, everyone loves the competitiveness. I mean, I think he's one of the, uh, the best competitors in all of college baseball. You know, they call him Bull, of course, and uh, he, he's like a bull in a china shop. You know, he just you don't mess with the guy when he's on the mound. Uh, I love that about him, and, and I think that makes his stuff play up even more. But another guy that really comes after you with the fastball, um, that's so important in college baseball, is if you can actually locate uh, to both sides of the plate with, with a fastball that has some life to it. Uh, that gives you a real chance. And so we'd like to see the secondary stuff continue to get better for Cody if he's going to you know, take that next jump in pro ball. Uh, I think that's the one thing the scouts are looking for is a little bit better off-speed stuff, a real true out pitch, because he's always just kind of you know, dominated with the fastball primarily. Uh, so that's the next step in his evolution.
2: You hit on a lot of why Auburn is in this top 25 at 23, the good that this Auburn team has. What are some of the concerns going in with this Auburn baseball team?
4: Well, I think, first of all, you know, you've you've got inexperience behind the plate, and, and certainly that's a position that, you know, Butch Thompson places a lot of value on, uh, given his, his background as a pitching guy. Um, and Matt Scheffler is gone, you know, it, really a, a proven winning catcher, a guy that really could handle that pitching staff, and a, a good catch-and-throw guy. Um, Butch felt pretty good this fall about the way Nate LaRue developed and Ryan Dial, a couple of second-year players. Again, they haven't been – through the sec yet though so this is going to be a new experience for them anytime you've got a, a catcher that has never played an sec game i mean that's a question mark but um LaRue in particular i think that the talent level uh is very exciting back there you know he's got a bazooka um and and you know the thing that i like to see this fall is not only does he have arm strength but he's, he's enjoying throwing you know he's looking for opportunities to throw you know he'll back pick at first base or back pick at second base um and, and that shows a guy who's who's Confidence is really starting to take off, and um, I think he's a huge key for this season for Auburn.
1: Some of the bats for Auburn that you mentioned already obviously, Rankin Woolley swings one of the bigger sticks in this lineup, but for Auburn, you know, who is that number one bat? for this team that, that the Tigers can rely on because as you've already pointed out you know it, it's been quite some time I feel like since we've seen Auburn be a hot team at the plate obviously they got hot at the end of the season when they made their Omaha uh, Omaha run back in 2019 but what do you think about this team at the plate this year?
4: Well I do think first of all I think Stephen Williams um, could have a really big year you know he's a fourth year guy now and he's, he's always had power you know and he's hit some big home runs in his career but he's had swing and miss and um, maybe was kind of pitchable in the past, but I think he's matured now, and his approach is, is the, uh, he's a tougher out at the plate, and, of course, he's still got the big power. So I think people are kind of sleeping on him because you know he came in as a big-time prospect at high school, and he's had a nice career, but he, he never became really the, the huge star maybe that you, you thought he could be. Um, he might be in that kind of post-hype sleeper category, you know, where he could put up really big numbers this year. Uh, and, of course, Ryan's lifted shortstop. Um, you know, he's been a nice player. Uh, so far in his career, and he's, he's a real spark plug guy as a freshman, uh, but he's gotten stronger. You know, I know he's not a big guy, but there is bat speed there. Um, I think he's going to hit a lot of doubles and he's going to hit for average. Um, you think of him as maybe a prototypical like leadoff a two hole kind of a profile. You see him physically, but he might wind up hitting three hole for them just because they they like um, you know the strength that is that is blossoming there. So he's an exciting player, and of course, Cole Foster keep an eye on the blue chip freshman, one of the, the Uh, top freshman in the country to show up on a a campus this fall. Um, Just a dynamic middle infield guy. Probably will push for playing time in that crowded second base mix, but uh, he can really hit, he can run, um, he can help you a lot of different ways if he can win himself a a regular everyday playing job.
1: Of course, Alabama's the team to beat in football every year, but but Auburn gets good at basketball, Auburn gets good at baseball, and now Alabama is catching up right there on both of those fronts. This Alabama baseball team, not in y'all's top twenty-five, we've seen them appear in, in some others. What, what what about this Alabama team? Is there uh, to look out for this upcoming year?
4: Yeah, and I really like their team too. And you know, when, when I saw them in some other top twenty-fives, uh, I didn't raise my eyebrows because you know they were in our discussion too. And uh, it's just hard because there are fourteen legitimate teams in the SEC. You know, and um, and Alabama has more to prove than most of them. Um, there's a lot to like, but there's a lot to prove, too. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm all in on Connor Preliff, their number one starter, who, you know, for me, he's, he's an immense talent. Um, he didn't give up a run and, and as a true freshman last year. And it was just four weeks, small sample size, but it was a great debut. And then this fall, he was even better. You know, the day I was in Tuscaloosa this fall, I mean, I walked away thinking this could be another Asa Lacy or David Price or, um, you know, Carlos Rodon, one of these really elite high-picked kind of left handers we've seen in college baseball over the years because it's a great body. It's 93-96 with life and command. Uh, I think it's the best slider in the country, you know, a real power pitch with depths at 88, 90 miles an hour, I and mean, that's as good as a lot of guys' fastballs. So uh, he, he's got everything there, I mean, the whole package, and he can be very special. I think that gives him a, a real advantage on Friday nights. Um, the arms behind him, I think, are a little bit less proven. I mean, he's not proven yet either. He's only <laughs> made four starts, but... The arms behind him I have more questions about, I would say. Um, but I do think that they've got a group of maybe six eight pretty good arms. And then I don't think they're as deep on the mound as a lot of the other teams in the SEC. That's my biggest question mark um, with Alabama. But, you know, I do like the lineup, too. I mean, another guy to really keep an eye on there is Peyton Wilson, um, just a really dynamic talent, uh, younger brother of, uh, you know, the great football family, Ross Wilson. And, um, you know, he, he's uh, – a switch hitter, kind of quick twitch guy, very versatile. He can play center field. He can play second base. You can put him behind the plate. Um, he can really hit. You know, I mean, it's just a line drive machine. So he's kind of like their version of, of Cole Foster.
1: Aaron, I appreciate you hopping on with us. Tell everybody where they can find all the great content you guys are putting out over at d1baseball.com.
4: Yeah, d1baseball.com. We got you covered for everything you need to get ready for the season uh sec preview is posted this week we've broken down all the top 25 teams so if you're interested in those things uh give us a look over at d1baseball.com
1: and aaron where can they find you on twitter
4: i'm at aaron fit a-a-r-o-n-f-i-t-t
1: appreciate it aaron we hope you have a good evening
4: uh
1: and thanks for hopping on with us
4: all right thank you guys
1: that was aaron fit co-editor and national writer for d1baseball.com with us on the line And what a great segment it was there to just be able to talk about college baseball. I love Auburn baseball. I love talking about Auburn baseball, and that's coming up soon, uh, a little under a month away. Once again, a big thank you there to Aaron Fitt of d one baseballcom We wrap up the show on the other side of the break.
0: On the line on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM and ESPN 1067.
1: Last segment of On the Line coming your way on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Follow Fox Sports Central Alabama on Facebook to keep on with the latest going on in sports. On the Line, The Drive with Bill Cameron, analysis, news, and more, all on Fox Sports Central Alabama, on FoxSports983.com, and on Facebook, that's FoxSports983.com. Before we go back to ranking the top, non-conference sec games of 2021 what's coming up let's take a listen to what's on tv tonight Hey, everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. Game show lineup on ABC with Celebrity Wheel of Fortune at 7, a revamped The Chase at 8, and The Hustler at 9. Movie selection for tonight Marvel's Ant Man is on Sci-Fi at 6:30. Thursday night college basketball begins a little early at 4 on ESPNU with Oregon State at USC. Michigan State will head to Piscataway, New Jersey to take on Rutgers at 6 on FS1. At 7 on ESPN2, Memphis is at SMU. At 8 on ESPN, number 6 Houston will head to New Orleans for a battle with Tulane. Also at 8, some local action between UAB and Middle Tennessee on CBS Sports Network. Ramping up the night on the West Coast, Stanford at Arizona on ESPN 2 at 9, and California at Arizona State on FS1 at 10. Two NBA games are on TNT beginning at 6.30 with the Trail Blazers versus the Rockets. At 9, the Warriors and the Suns will square off in Phoenix. I'm Noah Gardner, and that's what's on TV tonight. In our previous segment, we talked with Aaron Fitt, co-editor and national writer for D1Baseball.com about Auburn baseball. It gave, gave us great insight. If you uh, if you happen to miss that conversation and you're just now joining us, hey, go and check out the show wherever you get your podcast. Just search On the Line and you'll be able to find us easily. Wrapping up the show now, we got about seven minutes left in today's edition of On the Line and you've gone through your full list and... Has me sighing all day long with with what you have with what you have presented to me. But that list of your top non-conference SEC football games for the upcoming 2021 season—we got that full SEC schedule. And now we can just now it's fully off-season time. Now we got signing day next week. I got the jitters, man. Like signing days next week, and then after that, you got you got spring games and spring practice, and then there's all this the summer talk. And then guess what? Right before you know it, it's going to be Media Days, which this year being held in Hoover. It was actually supposed to be in Nashville, but they've moved it further south. So very accessible this go around here in Hoover, Alabama, coming up in the July time period will be when Media Days is. But my top five non-conference game of 2021 for the SEC schedule And this one's easy I think if you go and look at all of them and Justin Ferguson said this as well in our conversation with him in the first hour of the show Georgia Clemson easily I know a lot of people would have liked to have seen this be a home and home between these teams which they've already done that they did that several years ago and I'm okay with this being a neutral site one-off hit here for these two teams in week one kind of a playoff like atmosphere in week one that this is the game that i'll be watching in week one and i'll be interested to see if auburn akron's a night game if that one or if that's going to be a day game whatever that will be it'll be blazing hot if it's a day game if you get a night game unfortunately it would be very unfortunate for auburn and akron to be playing a night because this Georgia-Clemson game is, is is more than likely going to be either a 2.30 or an evening kick. I would imagine it would be an evening kick with it being in the neutral site of Charlotte, North Carolina.
2: I'm expecting it to be like 6-7 kickoff for that game. The thing game.
1: is, they're battling there with Miami-Alabama too, which Miami-Alabama might be a 3 p.m. kick. That's oftentimes, I think, what we've seen that Atlanta kickoff be on Saturday. That, so maybe that one's the the midday game, and then georgia uh georgia and clemson are in the evening which this is the headliner without a doubt clemson coming off of another playoff appearance georgia coming off of another not a playoff appearance (laughs) i mean but this georgia team bringing back jt daniels he was showing his ability to spin the football this georgia team what are they going to look like with some defensive pieces leaving the equation after this year they georgia has, has been all about being the best team in the sec east uh, other than this year obviously they've been able to dominate in the east but the question now is can they take it to a national level that's been everybody's gripe with kirby smart up to this point and now it's the first year where he hasn't won the sec east and i'm not saying that kirby's on the on the hot seat or anything but georgia fans could quickly become restless with him considering he replaced mark rick for similar reasons, right? For going,
2: for going eight and four year in and year out.
1: Mark Rick was I even mean, an eight and four coach every year. I mean, I think he was nine ten wins most years. He he was able to win easily in the East most years. Other than, I mean, unfortunately for him, smack dab in the middle of his time period, Florida was torching folks. But on the back end, Georgia was still a, a solid program. It was towards the top of that division, and he has taken maybe Georgia to a little bit higher of a level in what recruiting what Rick was able to do, but. He still hasn't produced the national results that Georgia fans want. This is a game
2: for them to do it. I, I think they can actually compete and win this game simply for the fact I really like this Georgia offense going into next year. It kind of gets overlooked because we've been talking about JT Daniels so much, but the running back, Zamir White, James Cook. He's back, yep. You got George Pickens on the outside. I mean
1: – The offense is the veteran presence for Georgia next year. And that's, and that's year. different. That's not that what we're used different. to seeing. We're not yep. used to
2: seeing that. It's usually carried by the defense. So we might – if they can reload that defense and put together maybe not – what they have been historically in the past few years, but just something competent with this offense, they can really be a natural threat this year. Of course, Clemson on
1: the other side, they're going to have a new quarterback, DJ Uyunglele of Clemson. We got to see him in that Notre Dame game, which he played well in the, in the game against Notre Dame in the middle of this season obviously didn't win the football game but he played well I don't think you can pin that to him defense no, he gave played, up okay. a ton of points he, he
2: played well it wasn't on him he right. played it was just on fine that
1: defense but that defense was also missing many pieces due to COVID-19 at the time the same reasons why you didn't see Trevor Lawrence and some other guys playing in that football game and Uyunga Lalele played great and so now year two for him after after getting a full off season too like that was Uyunga Lele playing without an off season without the benefit of, of getting what everybody else got, uh, not not what everybody else got because they didn't, but what most years teams get, what most years freshmen get, getting to a, a true off season, he did not get that. And, and he's going to he, have
2: that this year with starter reps as well, which is sure. going to be huge for and him. And a
1: monumental game too, against a team that was playing their best football at that time of the year, and now he's getting he's going to have to play a Georgia team that's always going to put a tough defense on the field. What does this Georgia defense look like this year? Of course, they're always shaping up to be a top ten unit in college football. I don't care what they've lost. This team continues to reload on that side of the football, so that that's a key matchup there. Uyanga Lalele going against a top ten defense, and then the Georgia offense actually being the veteran presence on the Georgia football team going into this new football year, which is something we're not accustomed to seeing. And they're going against, you know, for the for the past, you know, in the Dabo Sweeney era, of course, Clemson has had good defenses. But they're known for their offensive weapons. They're known for their receivers and what they've had at quarterback and at running back. Clemson's going to be losing several pieces that they're used to having. ETN's gone. Trevor Lawrence is gone. Of course, they bring back Justin Ross. That's
2: huge. It'll be fun to see Justin Ross playing some ball again. It it will be impressive. He's a guy that you want to watch play football. Can, Can you name a tougher first two games starting than at Notre Dame at that time in this Georgia game? Like, that's, that's a tough first two games for a freshman to start. True.
1: I don't, I don't know if we've seen that's, that's, someone else have to go through that as their first two collegiate starts. That's rough. That, that would be rough. interesting research to do and very difficult research to do. There would be a lot of quarterbacks to pour over. I'm just
2: going to go ahead and say that he has one of the toughest. We'll, right. we'll, we'll put the ever. blanket statement that he has one of the toughest ones Sure,
1: ever. We don't have a stats department to or software to just be able to pour over stuff like that. I'm interested to know about that. I'm sure some stat will come out in the future about it. If not, someone didn't do someone didn't do the digging with the resources that they have. It'll be you a know. little
2: graphic that pops up during that game. I'm sure. It's I'm like I'm
1: sure the mothership has the resources to go and pour over all of the quarterback starts historically, at least their first two. And Uyanga La Lele playing Notre Dame and Georgia, you are spot on right there.
2: I didn't think about that equation. As, it's hard. That's tough. If he and he played well against Notre Dame, if he comes out and wins this, he wins did the game enough against to Georgia, win against Notre Dame, and it wasn't his fault. The loss wasn't, wasn't on him at all. No. Well,
1: that's our list our top sec non-conference football games for 2021 and that's our show we've had a packed show thank you to aaron fit again of d1baseball.com and justin ferguson of the auburn observer for being with us on the show today go and find the show wherever you get your podcast the drive with bill cameron following us now on espn 106.7 and on fox sports central alabama we'll see you tomorrow you know where to find us